Welcome to Altered Fates. My name is Abla Alshanubi. Altered Fates is a podcast about turning points and how we choose to navigate them. In each episode, I invite a guest to tell me about a moment in their lives where events conspired to instigate change and propel them forward. In this episode, I spoke to Laura Lee. Laura is the bass player in the band Krungbin. I met Laura in 2012 when the band were just starting out and had the good fortune to work with her. Since then, the band have enjoyed a meteoric rise and are hugely beloved by fans all over the world. Laura is one of the most magical, inspiring people I've had the pleasure of meeting. Serendipitous circumstances seem to follow her wherever she goes. I had a technical issue in this episode. I made the rookie mistake of not changing the batteries in my Zoom recorder before the interview. I had to gather all of my Laura Lee-inspired trust that things were happening just as they should and not freak out. Apologies for the drop in sound quality. I hope you enjoy our chat. This podcast is about, you know, sort of, well, it's called Altered Fate, so it's about moments that sort of change your fate. And um, I usually ask the people that I interview whether they believe in fate, and I feel like I don't even know if I need to <laughs> ask you. <laughs> I feel like we could just have a podcast at Wagamama. Yes. Like every two years, we just record our conversation. And in 10 years time, it'll be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Because every time I will have come out of some different bubble. Fatalistic know, change. <laughs> yeah, completely. Well, you know, one thing I just wanted to, I was, you know, thinking about talking to you and um, thinking about the way that you and I met. And actually, I feel like that was completely fated. So so just a bit of background, Laura and I, I've had the really amazing fortune to w- work with Laura and Krungbin um, as their publisher for a little while. And um, the way that we met, um, which was a really long time ago now, it's like it's back so in cool. 2012. So yeah, like, I mean, I'm going to say my side of it and then maybe you can say your side of it. Because So for okay. me, like our really dear friend, Andrea, mentioned in passing one day she was like oh you know my mate's moving to London and she's in this awesome band you guys should meet and I was like great introduce me you know just just yeah just introduce us it'd be great and totally forgot about it and then the next thing was a few weeks after that um Bonobo's late night tales compilation came out and we put it on and calf born in winter was the first track and Tom my business partner and I listened to it and we we're just like oh my god what, what is this who, what, Krung, who, how do you say that, what, who are, who are they, they're amazing, this is amazing, and just completely blown away by that tune, and then, and then a little, like, maybe a couple of weeks after that, um, Bonobo was playing in London, and I had not organized a ticket, and I was, like, with a bunch of friends, some of whom were in the band, we were sitting outside a restaurant near, near where I live in London, and, um, they were like, have you got a ticket? And I was like, no, I, I don't want to keep hounding him. He's really busy. And and then they were like, oh, just text him again. So I text him again. I'm like, sorry, I'm really sorry. It's really last minute. Is there any chance at all? You know, no worries if not. And he goes, oh, looks like you can be Laura Lee. And the reaction around the table was, oh, everyone just went, oh, no, Laura Lee's not coming. And I was like, what about <laughs> me? <laughs> I'm coming. Who is Laura Lee anyway? So I go off to the Vanova gig, sign in as you on the door because I'm, you know, I'm under your name for the guest list spot and then go to the gig, everything fine. And then literally two days later, Andrea sends me an email going, hi, Abs, I want you to meet my friend Laura Lee. She's in a band called Krungbin. I was like, my head nearly exploded. I was just like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's 
that's pretty much it. I think I had moved to London and I was determined to keep the band going, even though it seemed like an impossibility because we were all from Houston and I was in London and and I kind of felt like it was this mission and like challenge because everyone in Houston was like, well, you're gone. So the band's over. And it's like, no. <laughs> um, and so when I got to London, I was sort of determined to find every avenue in that I could with what I knew and um, met Simon. And he put that song on Late Night Tales 1 and 2. Afterwards, when I asked him, if he had any recommendations for like contacts of anybody in industry, you were actually the only person you know, he gave me. You're kidding. And no, so it was the only person and I was like, cool, I'm going to follow it. And then when I met you, you were like, oh, I was just you at a concert. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> but I feel like in my fate-driven life, I guess, as it mm. were, that those sorts of connections always feel like a signal that this is the right thing or you're on the right path because, you know, I guess I believe in signs in that way. Yeah. Um, not in like, I don't know. I feel like you know when a sign is a sign mm. and that's a sign. Like how weird is it that I moved to London period. (laughs) And then I only knew three people there. Two of them were people you knew well. And it just so happened that a few weeks before you took my ticket. I don't know. It's just sort of like, I'm in the right place. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, as well, when you meet someone, if there's that kind of, I don't know, resonance or whatever. Um, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, you and the band and the way that you live personally, which is quite kind of intuition led really you know the decisions you make and stuff but also how Krungbin is such a there's such a a sort of charm about the band and I think part of it comes from this like authentic love for what you do and this kind of keeping everything really focused on who you are and how you how you feel about your music and how you want to connect with your audience and all of that stuff um so do you do you feel like this this sort of fatalistic kind of an intuition led drives your music as well in the way that you the decisions that you make for the band and yeah it does I mean it's it's this weird thing that I think interviewers really roll their eyes at when they ask us you know how we write music or why we put vocals on this song or why we didn't. And we're always like, well, the song tells you what it wants. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and they're just like, great, that's not an answer. <laughs> but it is an answer. And you are in the studio and you and the song does tell you what it wants. Like, you have to find a way into the song. You know, that's what our engineer, that's his expression. Like, you have to find a way in. And it's sort of like you have to start somewhere. And so it has to start with a baseline or an idea or a chord change or something. And then once you have a way in, then it, it reveals you it itself wants. to you. Um, yeah. I remember my, uh, when I was doing my creative writing course, my tutor saying to me, and I had, I had a, I had a summer to go away and finish a, a manuscript because I was doing a course and I had to hand in this novel at the end of it. And, and I was really freaked out about spending three months on my own. And I kept saying to her, like, I don't know what happens next in the story. And she said to me, it's like driving a car at night. As long as you can see what the headlights show you, when you get 10 meters in front, you'll see the next bit. 
So just right. don't worry about it, you know. And I think that's a really good kind of way of thinking about it is that you it's not like a thing drop maybe sometimes it drops into your head fully formed but I think a lot of the time like you say you just it, you're you're unearthing it as you go kind of thing totally okay so I mean I can think of so many stories that you've told me that have completely blown my <laughs> mind <laughs> so I'm I was wondering if perhaps you know so you were saying about you know it has to start with a baseline or it has to start with you know a chord or whatever I immediately thought of two fish and an elephant and the story mm -hmm. you told me about the painting and yeah god i haven't thought about this one <laughs> i actually i have so I, I i moved upstate new york or not totally upstate i guess that's upstate new yorkers would probably say hudson valley isn't upstate but i'm in <laughs> yeah. and um and i've decorated it to my heart's content and one of the things i did hang up was the painting of two fish and an elephant um which when I bought, uh, I was in Kerala, um, and I kept going back to this painter who wanted to charge me more than I could afford. And every day I'd go back, and he was really strong about his price, which by the end I really respected because most of the time in those shops, they're very happy to bargain with you. Um, but he gave me the painting, and he said, so there's more than the two fish and an elephant, but that's kind of what I saw when I saw it. Yeah. Um, but the fish were supposed to represent prosperity. The elephant was supposed to represent strength. And then there was the peacock, which is beauty. And sort of like, if you have this in your home, it will bring you these things. It's like souls. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I remember before Universe Smiles Upon You, sort of like we needed to write a bunch of songs and quickly, um, because I was going to be in Texas for one week to do the whole thing and I had to take off work because I was working full time in London. Mm. Um, sat with that painting and that was one of the things that came out was that song. I don't remember if there was another part of the story. I think sure I remember is. you saying to me um, that you didn't hang it straight away, that you went back to London, right. you, you, you were in a flat and then you moved house. And when you moved to your new place, and, and I think perhaps it was like the first year you were in London and it was difficult acclimatizing hard. it was really hard and you know <laughs> and then you moved I didn't you, I didn't have strength prosperity or no, beauty, beauty. <laughs> none of that yeah um yeah and then you moved house and you hung it up and one day you were sat in front of it and uh, you said you were just you know strumming the bass and this bass line kind of came and and then you went to Texas and recorded it um but you also um, told me that after you hung it was when at the time I think you were working for an advertising agency mm -hmm. um, and yeah. someone there said, oh, I love that song. I'm going to make a video for it and I'm right. going to get this production company to help <laughs> and we're going to get this much funding from these people. And this thing just grew out of that song. Yeah. And it was right when I hung up the painting. You're totally right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, um, I know. And I remember, and it was also when the band really kicked off by the, yes. it was like, the album was out, you know, I got to quit my job shortly thereafter. We made that video to go on tour, sort of like, man, I should have hung this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also not. But, yeah, you know, right. Um, actually, shout out to that video. I just watched it recently. It has, it's the least watched Krungan video and probably the most expensive. And what a beautiful labor of love. Absolutely. As is the painting that I have that the guy probably that inspired it. Yeah, right. And I think um, 
also how amazing that like you're when a song inspires that kind of everyone you know someone saying i need to make a video for this i'm going to make it happen i'm going to get all of it you know it's you know yeah. it's amazing it's <laughs> clearly connected that guy wherever where where was he in kerala varkala i was in varkala not so long ago it's a beautiful place i have looked him up because his signature is on the painting and i looked him up recently to see if i could become a collector of his yeah. artwork but i can't i can't you find can't him. find him was he in the little town the stretch yeah, of town. Little strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I was thinking about your, you know, sort of the podcast theme. Mm. Yeah. And was like, what, what are those moments? And A, I think those moments happen every day yeah. uh, to an extent. But I was thinking about when I moved, before I moved to London, I moved to Port Aransas, which is this little fishing town uh, in Texas. They call it... Uh, drinking town with a fishing problem um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um and i kind of think that that was one of those moments for me um moving there yeah i i was in houston the band had gone on for at least a year and a half we recorded our seven inch i felt like in terms of the band i felt cool you know i felt like i'd done this thing that was risk-taking and creative, and I felt like I fulfilled that part of my life. I had also started a tutoring agency that was working, and I was making a decent living. I had a good apartment. I had good relationships. Everything was kind of good. And I had this moment where I was feeling like, why don't I feel like everything is great? Like I'm still feeling like a yearning for something. And I had always wanted to move out of Houston. And for one reason or another, I had stayed. Um, and Houston's amazing. I mean, we're constantly talking about how great Houston is. It's just about, I think, my need for adventure and exploration. And I just felt like I hadn't lived in that sense. Mm. And there's also a thing that when you move away, the ability for reinvention, not even... You don't even have to fully reinvent, but there's, you know, there's no concept of who you are yet. Absolutely. By, yeah. By the community. So this weekend that I had that feeling, I decided that I needed to go to my grandparents, my grandparents' grave in Brownsville, Texas. Um, and I drove down there. Brownsville is like, there's some sort of statistic for how many palm trees there are in Brownsville. It's like, Tons of bazillion. Um, and I called my mom when I got to the cemetery. I was like, where's grandpa's grave? She's like, oh, I know it's near a palm tree. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, and it's really sweet. My, it's the last time I've gone to visit that grave was this moment. And I've been thinking recently how I need to go back and like close the circle. But mm. I, uh, I sat on his grave and his his tombstone, the only thing it says is, hey, neighbor, when's your birthday? Because that was his favorite thing to say to people. Oh. And I like sat and I brought him some flowers. And I was like, Grandpa, I need a sign. Like something is, something's missing and I don't know what it is. So I'm just going to sit here and tell you that I'm open. Because um, he was a very sign-driven person. 
And I decided that on my way back to Houston, I would stop in Port Aransas, where my best friend's family owns a restaurant. Um, and it's called La Playa. Uh, and so I went and stopped there to eat Mexican food. And when I got there, I like said hi to everyone and they were super stressed out. And it was like two people had quit, two people had called in sick. And it was like super busy weekend, like spring break type weekend that they were going to miss out on all this business and have to close. And I was like, okay, grandpa, I guess this is my sign. So I was like, I don't have to do anything this weekend. I will run this restaurant with you. And he's like, yeah. I was like, if I have a place to stay, I will stay here for three days and do it. And so I did. <laughs> and, um, and literally in the first hour that I was there, I went to the bathroom and my phone fell in the toilet. And so I was like, okay, so now I'm in Port Aransas. I have no way of contacting anybody. <laughs> um, and I guess this is part of my grandpa's wish for me is like, let go. <laughs> Just be in this random small town, which he would have loved because he really liked small towns. Um, and run this restaurant. And I did. Um, and had you I was had any? Different... Had you had any experience running restaurants before? Were you like, I can do this. Just roll my sleeves up. <laughs> I had I had waited tables, so it okay. wasn't completely it wasn't foreign. Wasn't completely alien, but yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a grafter, yeah. so sort of like I can, I can do I'm gonna this. get stuck in. <laughs> and I did. It was just it was this weird thing because I was definitely me, but. I was living this altered fate for three days where I was somebody who just worked in a Mexican restaurant in a small beach town in Texas. You know, I wasn't a tutoring agency owner or in a cool you know, band a with yeah. a, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I did that and like swam in the ocean at 3 a.m. and like all the beach towny thing I don't know mm. I just lived a different life and I ran into um a good friend of mine there or it's like she's a part of the family my best friend and she randomly said to me like in life you know you regret the things you don't do not the things that you do that's just the way it works I was like oh god oh. okay there's a lot of <laughs> what am I getting not a doing? lot of signals <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and um I drove back to Houston and I went, the first thing I did was go to the Apple store because I needed to get a new phone that had fallen in the toilet. But they had also had my laptop from before I left because that needed repairing. So I went to go get my laptop and get a replacement phone. So I pay $50 or whatever it was at the time, got a new phone and I pulled my laptop out and they turned it on. They replaced all this stuff, turned yeah. it on. 30 seconds later, it dies. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and the guy was like, you know what? This just isn't fair to you. You know, you've been here through the repair system and you're on the insurance package. So you know what? Here's a gift certificate for $1,500. Get yourself a new laptop. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so I got a new laptop, a new phone. And then when they went to sort of do the exchange, they realized I was on the like plus insurance package. So I actually got a refund of $150. So I had a new laptop, a new phone and a hundred dollars. 
I was like, wow, grandpa, thanks. <laughs> and shortly after, I, I weirdly decided to move to Fort Aransas and be there and run that Mexican restaurant and live on the beach, uh, which I did for about a year. And just sort of live that life. Uh, my parents were very confused <laughs> because they had worked really hard to leave small towns to live in the big city. And I had been well-educated, et cetera. And I was just going straight back. But I remember talking to Andrea, who we talked about earlier about this whole thing. And she was like, you know, I think Port Aransas was like, you're, you were testing out your frog legs or you're like, you're sort of like, if I can do this here, then I can move to London, which is a big leap. Um, but I, I had, yeah, I hadn't ever lived anywhere else. I remember talking to somebody about like hometowns and, you know, some people would never want to leave and other people like long to leave. And, and they said, it's the scene of the crime. I was like, yeah, it's the scene of the crime. There's so much history that you have growing up and, I had some quite like traumatic stuff happen to me when I was young and and then I was rebellious from it. And I was sort of like, there's so much stuff there that actually being away from it, that stuff was gone. And and weirdly, moving to the small town of Port Aransas was, I think, equally easy and difficult as moving to London was. For the exception of the actual distance, I met way more people in London that were like me, you know? Um but it was much farther, you know, sort of like, and you still have to find your footing everywhere you go. You have to figure out where you buy this grocery thing, you know? But yeah, it was like a testing ground for me. And, and I'm so fond of that year of my life because it was sort of this very sweet time where I was discovering my need for adventure. At this point, I have the awful realization that my audio recorder has stopped recording. But in the spirit of Laura Lee, we decided to follow the signs and carry on anyway. I'm sorry for the temporary drop in audio quality. Someone else wouldn't have interpreted it like that, you know. <laughs> and like, we, in our office, we used to say, you know, because your first album is called The Universe Smiles Upon You. Mm -hmm. And it was a thing in our office. It's like, is the universe smiling upon you? Look harder. <laughs> Maybe it is, but you just can't see it, you know, because something I've taken from the many conversations I've had with you is it's about how you interpret the event. So your phone fell down the toilet and you thought, okay, then what was he meant to stay here? Because now I can't contact anyone. Somebody else would have been, you know, pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. It's interesting. I think I found that when you are open to things like that happening and then I don't know, like them leading you down whatever path that is, mm. then it's more fun. Have you um, always been like that, Laura? Is that just part of who you are, do you think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, mean, I think I, yeah. You, yeah. You, you, you do it more naturally than anyone else. I, I think people learn this stuff. They go, you know, surrender. Just accept what is. There are books and books written about loving what is or accepting what is and surrendering. Like we were saying, we can't really control anything. It's just an illusion, you know? Right. <laughs> it makes us feel better that maybe we can. <clears throat> but I think with you, like, I remember you telling me another story about um, somebody who had made a video for... Uh, I made a video for you in the past anyway, and the video hadn't quite gotten 
and it was a great video, but it hadn't, I can't remember which song it's for now, but hadn't gotten quite the recognition that you thought it should. And so when you were making Mordecai, um, you're like, I want to give this guy another shot. And then you told me this insane story about how you made that happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So it's Two Fish and Elephant was the original. Was it Two Fish and Elephant? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, you're going to love this, actually. Oh, so my Scott, Scott Dungate, who made them, um, he was actually my boss at Widen and Kennedy. Yeah. And he came to me with the idea to make Two Fish and an Elephant. And, and it was like a huge labor of love, Kickstarter, you know, the whole thing. And yeah, and it came out after the album and there was a, there was already so many YouTube links where you could just listen to the song and it was just like the cover artwork it just or something. Got lost, right. Yeah, it got lost and it never, it just never got to play. And I was Didn't like, we haven't had our, the same song. Oh yeah. Um, so he did So We Won't Forget. And, um, and it's so beautiful. I mean, the, the yeah, film is, is so epic. And, and that was its own thing because he filmed it in Japan and they, it was like a week or something like within a few days that they went onto lockdown and couldn't have shot the movie and had it, had they shot it a few days earlier, the cherry blossoms wouldn't have been in bloom. It was like the perfect day. And he wrote me during the shoot and he was like, the universe smiles upon you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I think if you just go with it, you know, if you go with these things that happen and it's not a panic necessarily, it could be an opportunity sort of thing. Um, it just it's feels more fun. Not wanting, I suppose it's about kind of trust, isn't it? It's trusting that whatever's yeah. happening is supposed to happen and it's leading somewhere good. You know, I think the control thing is always about being afraid that it's leading somewhere bad. But right. It right, needs right, to be right. this outcome or it's not good, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember you telling me about that video that he submitted a treatment for <clears throat> mm -hmm. the video and, and it was like quite costly. You know, he had quite a vision for it and stuff. And you were oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and you were like, okay, so we need whatever it was. I can't remember the figure now, something like $10,000. Right. Okay. Uh, cool. Let's figure it out. We'll figure it out. And then you. I did I'm a like, voiceover. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, you know, there's a brand that needs a voiceover. I think it'd be great. You know, if you're willing to do the voiceover, we can just chuck those funds over <laughs> into the video fund. I was like, cool. <laughs> um, which I would love to do if anybody wants voiceover work. I'm here. I was listening to your radio show on NTS earlier and you've got such a great radio voice. So I feel like, oh, I feel like there you. are more voiceovers in your future. Um, yeah. So yeah. I have this, I was thinking about what you said though. I'm like, you know, when things come your way, like do you mm. take them or whatever. And when I go running, I have like one, I try to do one run, one run a week like this, where I go out without like a trail in mind. And mm. I just, I just explore. <laughs> and it's like, put the, you know, put the phone away. If you're, if I don't, have, if I'm not in a rush, I can just kind of run and see where looks good. And you kind yeah. of like get, you know, you get to a fork in the road and you just look each way and you're like, okay, I'm going to go this, I'm going to go this direction and see what happens. Yeah. And then it's like a rule when I have those days that if there's a bridge, I have to cross the bridge. Like that's like a okay. weird thing. It's like, see what's on the other side of the bridge. 
and I was somewhere on my drive down from New York, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. And I happened to run somewhere. There were like 10 bridges. Oh God. Great rule. <laughs> um, but it was beautiful. So when, yeah. I mean, so like it's, it, it seems like it's a pretty integral way of life for you that kind of just opening up possibility. That's the other thing it's allowing possibilities, isn't it? Yeah. If you know exactly what's going to happen, then life's not going to surprise you. You know, 100%. if you don't, if you don't, yeah. And there's there's good stuff in the surprises, but I really think stuff with that whole kind of philosophy, it's a bit like strengthening strengthening a muscle because the more you do it and it turns out well, the more you feel comfortable doing it. And I think people yeah. spend a lifetime trying to trust that. And I think you're an amazing example of how it it can work and it, how it does work. So look, you know, with all of this, like with your whole kind of approach to stuff, what a what happens when there are challenges? Do you just see them as kind of another event or do you know what I mean? Like how do you approach stuff when it's really challenging? Is it just like, right, how do we fix it? Or I think you have to first evaluate like whether it's a challenge or whether it's something that you shouldn't do which is a really right. weird thing, you know, where you're like, that's interesting. Is this a hurdle that I'm supposed to climb over? Or is this actually like, no, this isn't meant for me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, feel like yeah. it's such a fine line between them sometimes, but there's been a couple moments where I've, I've thought it was a challenge and thought it was a hurdle and I've worked hard to overcome it, overcome it, overcome it. And actually when I looked back on it, it was like, I, that was never supposed to happen. I was putting myself through the ringer for no reason. And actually, if I had just said no from the beginning. It, yeah. None of this would have happened. And <laughs> have you, have you like learned to differentiate between those two things? Like what's, what are the attributes of shouldn't do it versus it's a hurdle I should try and get over? I mean, still trying to work it out. I'm still, still learning, but I definitely think there's a, you know, there's a place with checking in with yourself because it's an intuition gut thing that, mm. you know, you're, you can make a, a brain list of pros and cons, and then you can also sit with it, eyes closed or open or however you want to sit and just think about how it makes you feel. Think about how you would feel if you achieved it. Think about how you would feel if you let it go. And I feel like mm. those three feelings are kind of enough to say yes or no, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, and I think particularly with stuff like, you know, work things and all that, it can be very confusing, can't it? Because something could be on the surface, a potentially brilliant thing that's going to like, you know, lead to X, <laughs> you know, amounts of success or whatever. And, and it can be counterintuitive. It can feel counterintuitive to say no, but you're absolutely right. It's like, you, it has to, you know, it's like when somebody goes, do you want to do this or this? And you go, oh, I don't know. And they go, okay, well, you can't do this anymore. You're like, no, 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 that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. That. Yeah, but it's even like thinking about shows, you know, like, do I want to play this show? You know, because it's at the beginning, you just say yes all the time. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then it's sort of like, okay, wait, why do I want to play this show? Or like, what, what you know, is it, because it's in a particular place in the world that I want to play? Is it because this venue is amazing? Is it because we have so many fans there? Is it for money? Which is also totally fine. Um, you know, there's, yeah. there's a myriad of reasons why you could say yes, but it's, it's sort of good to know why. 
and and actually if there's no none of those things are good reasons then maybe not <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah absolutely I think at this point when like we were saying when you've got so many opportunities to play shows it makes complete sense yeah. to apply a bit of discernment because no one has unlimited capacity you know no, right you know and right you know you need you need your energy for everything yeah. that you're doing you know to play the shows that you do want to play with absolute verb you know and right so yeah 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 and then the challenge of this like you know, we're about to get into an editing part in the studio. And I was like, okay, here we go. It's a part of the, I'm not good at. It's a very technical part. It's a part where you're mm -hmm. going to listen to the same five seconds, 200 times and make those really nitty gritty decisions. And that's not my forte. It's never, I'm a macro person. I'm not a micro person. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so like a few weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to tune out. I'm going to engage the whole time and I'm going to be an amazing editor by the time we get out, you know <laughs> And then last week I was like, actually, I don't really want to. <laughs> no. This is one of those, not a challenge. I just shouldn't do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I think it makes total sense to know where, you know, to know where your, where your energy is best spent, isn't it? Like it's someone I'm, cause I'm like you, I'm really not a micro person and it takes me twice as long to do something like that as somebody else who it comes naturally to. It's like, is that a good use of my time? You know, probably not. You know, going back to your um, your life in a small town moment, mm -hmm. do you think if you hadn't have, what would you, do you think this, you would have ended up traveling anyway? Was that always going to happen for you, whether it had been via that experience or? I don't know. I mean, maybe. It's one of, it's so hard to know, you know, it's impossible mm -hmm. to know. Um, I'd always I mean, wanted to, but I, I like, I initially thought it was going to be for school and then for various reasons that didn't happen. And then I, I wanted to join the Peace Corps so that I could go traveling. And then for various reasons that didn't happen. And I don't regret any of these things, you know? No. Um, and, and then it was that Porter Ranch moment. Mm. Uh, and then it was the London moment. And then, you know, from that, it was everywhere. Um, and I, like, I, I, my best friend who, whose family has the restaurant, Port Aransas, yeah. she actually did the thing that in high school we all said we'd do, which was to finish high school, take four years off, go traveling, um, wow. and then figure it out. And she did. You know, she, she worked at her dad's restaurant that I, I worked at for that year, and she saved up as much money as she could and she went all over Europe and Africa and she like woofed because that was a thing at the time where you like work on organic farms um all right and she did that to kind of pay her way and she took a million photos and became a photojournalist as a result of you know how that. incredible I, I know it's, it's such incredible like vision for somebody who's like I don't know 18 or what you know what I mean like I know. wow yeah I did not do that you know um <laughs> And I, and so I, I remember, I, I do remember feeling like that, like I didn't do that thing. I didn't go to school anywhere else. I never left. I never had that thing, you know? Um, mm. But it's hard because I think with every year that passed where it hadn't happened for me, mm. um, then you also feel like maybe you're not meant to or. Really? You know, is that how you felt? Like this is where I'm going to be now? Potentially. I definitely felt. Like when I, I left, I got out of some stuckness in a headspace. And 
as I said before, everything was amazing. It was like, there was nothing to feel bad about being stuck about, but I was too young or I felt I was too young to just be done, you know? But to me, like listening to you talk, it, it, what I immediately think is, it's the fact that you had that feeling and it's the fact that you acted on that feeling. You know, yeah. to me, it's kind of, even though I'm sure it didn't feel like that at the time, but the inevitability of where you are now, right. it was in that seed of like, um, this isn't enough for me. I need to go and, I need to go and ask a question. You know, you went to your granddad's grave and you asked a question, you were like, show me something here. And I think right. that is what's, right. it's really the seed of everything that you do. It's like, I have an urge to do this. I'm going to follow that. And right. then I'm going to take whatever comes from it, you know, my phone falling down the toilet. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's like maybe, you know, it wouldn't have been in the locations that it's been. And maybe I would, mm. maybe it wouldn't have been Krungbin. That was the thing, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but even probably, Krungbin, yeah. you probably would have had some adventures, I imagine, of yeah. some kind. I can't imagine yeah. that you wouldn't. Um, but even with Krungbin, like, really was like an act of will keeping it going being on opposite sides of the world and did you have I mean what is what does I mean this is a really broad question but what does it mean to you what is it what is it that drives you know what is Krungbin to you but yeah um wow that's a big question (laughs) it is a big question I mean I think it's I feel like it's like true friendship Mm. um because you know when people people look at us basically and based on what we look like uh don't understand how we became a band you know or how we became friends and and we and our response is like it's houston which is totally true um but we weren't we didn't go to the same school you know we were not from the same neighborhood and it's really special, the thing, the sort of Venn diagram of DJ, Mark, and me. And I think what that Venn diagram is, is Krungbin. And it's like authenticity and integrity and beauty mm. and friendship and sort of finding the thing that connects you, you know. Yeah. Um, and that I middle feel bit like of we, the Venn diagram. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's what... Krungbin is and I feel like that's what we're we're trying to do if if there was a sort of mission in terms of our audience it's like we want our shows to look like the Venn diagram of the world you know um right because that's that feels like a really beautiful I don't know mission to create through music um it's always been like such a connector you know in inviting people into that that kind of friendship you know and I think I think like I'm always trying to put my finger on what it is about you guys that's so like I was saying to somebody earlier it's like there's something charming it's charmed the band is like there's something really charming about it and I think part of it is that is that on the surface you look at you guys and you're so cool I mean you're so cool do you know what I mean whatever that means do you know it's like you're very aspirational and you're incredible on stage and all of that stuff but despite the sort of facade of like it's not really a facade it's actually who you are uh but underneath that there is this genuine 
humility and authenticity and friendship and all the things that you just said. And that is an unbelievable combination, you know, because I feel like you really are those people. You are those cool people. You're also the person that sits and, and like hand writes notes to God knows 500 people or whatever. That's all true. You are, you, you know, obviously you are lazy and you are Laura who bakes and runs trails and, and that's all true. And it all comes out. It's all of, yeah. on show, all of that. And that's amazing. You know, I think, I think it's really special. And, and I think people feel it and they want to be a part of it. And that's lovely. Yeah. I feel, I was thinking about it recently. Like I was, I, I was, I mean, despite what people would think now, and mm. it, this wasn't the case when I was in London and found like loads of friends, too many friends. Um, but I was never like popular or cool. <laughs> um, really? And I was definitely more of an outcast than an in-group person for most of my life. And wow. I think Krungman was the first time I fit in, which is so sweet. Um, you know, but I really do think that it's like, it's really the first time I had that feeling and we're so unconditionally loving towards each other and mm. our similarities and differences, you know, um, that, yeah, it was the first time I fit in and then we made this thing and I was like, God, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so people have to hear this, you know, like, yeah. it's great. Um, and I had, I don't think I really had felt that kind of compelled to push for something, um, you know, and, and when we mm. made that decision and we started the band, it was like, it was my baby and I was going to mm. do my best to make do it the right happen, thing make it. it work. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Have there been like unexpected challenges from the success, you know, the because it's what you wanted and and now you have it and how yeah I mean that's all that's always the funny thing right it's yeah like, yeah um I mean there's constant challenges I think there's a challenge now to hold on to the preciousness of what was before it became it got so big yeah, yeah. um like how do you put out an under underground release now <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Right. <laughs> um, Although I was having a, I was having a chat with Annie, your manager, about how you're managing to do that anyway. In, you know, really, trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always a way. Yeah, yeah we're, we're we are, yeah, we're doing our best to try to still, you know, be the like treasure that you find because I think yeah. that's what we, you know, we love finding treasures. Everybody likes finding treasures. Mm -hmm. And I think for so long, Krungbin was that for people. It was like the universe came out in this really like grassroots way and Contoto still, you know, people still didn't really know about it. And so we were always that band that everybody yeah. found us first. Felt special you know? for knowing about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and now it's too big for that and that's okay, you know? And so it's sort of like, but how do we make sure that, we don't lose whatever that was. Um, sure. Before Mordecai came out, it was like right after we finished the record. And it's, you know, it's not a pop record, but it's it's sort of the most accessible mm -hmm. record that we've put out in terms of the vocals and et cetera on it. Um, 
and we all had like a real like holding hands kind of chat just being like what do we want like let's we haven't had a conversation of like what do we want because we've just been on the ride and we're just saying yes and things are growing mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm okay with things being exactly as big as they are. I do not need them to get any bigger. I realize that you can't control everything and it will naturally get bigger because more people will naturally find out about the band because that's just what happens. Um, but I don't want to push for it anymore, you know? And, mm. and that was the general consensus, you know? And it was sort of like, cool. But how brilliant <laughs> that you're all on the same page, you know? Cause, yeah. You know, it could it could be a real point of contention if one of you wanted to be like world dominating and the yeah. others were like yeah not so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> now that you've had all these amazing experiences and what's next what's uh, big I don't know what's immediately next I think you know it might sound simple I just kind of I want to be in Krungan for the rest of my life like mm-hmm. I want that to be my my job even though yeah. it's, it's a weird to say that it's my job, but it is the best job I've ever had. And I really like to stay in this position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's work as well. It is work. I mean, it's, you know, it's 100%. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the goal is like to keep making music um, mm. and to keep exploring music. You know, I think as I, uh, I've gone on a streaming, music streaming fast uh, for the last oh, really? month. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I needed something different. So I've been listening to mixes and that's it. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone's um, curated it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I hadn't been on anything in a while and I went to Krungan Spotify the other day and I was looking at our top five songs and I was like, wow. I was like, each one of these songs feels really different from the other you know it's like texas sun time you and i white gloves Mm -hmm. people everywhere and like wow like cool (laughs) yeah and i kind of like that and i hope that the next couple projects we have are continuously exploring um i think while i feel like the 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 krung and heads who all love universe the most and Mm. i think to an extent, it's like it will always be the most precious thing because it's the most yeah. innocent and pure record that we'll be able to put out because it's impossible mm-hmm. to go yeah, back. Yeah, right. You know, absolutely. Um, but for the the craving to make another universe, you know, there's I think there's always a little like buzz in everyone's ear to do that again. You know, well, it it's got to be same. an expression of where you're at now, right? Like yeah. I I know that. If, yeah from knowing you that you know the music that you make is always a reflection of those hunches that you follow and the people that you meet and where you're at in your life and as it should be right like otherwise it's a yeah a formula and that can't be totally can't be fulfilling (laughs) can it just yeah Yeah. um wow yeah I feel like we could talk for I know I was gonna say another goal I have is to have soup with you at Wagamama. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can't wait till the next one of those. And um thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been so awesome talking to you as always. 
Altered Fates with Abla El Sharnubi is produced and edited by Amy Lee, with music by Simon Little and Andrea Triana, and artwork by Micah Van Leck and Richard Granger at Bunker London. If you enjoyed this interview, be sure to like and subscribe to be updated on upcoming episodes. You can also find out more info and get in touch via Instagram at underscore altered underscore fates. I'd love to hear from you.